0: Live from London, this is the Saturday Lunch with Joseph Hammond. Live from London, this is the Saturday Lunch with Joseph Hammond
1: now people can hear me that's better right good afternoon uh, everybody my name's joseph hammond i'm a primary school music and computing specialist and on today's show i'm going to be talking about my favorite children's books to read to my kids and i'm going to be talking to nick young and jen stillian young all about early years music and movement live from london This is the Saturday Lunch with
0: Joseph Hammond on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTRadio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio.
1: okay welcome everybody I hope everyone is uh, who's listening is doing okay um so um as I said today's show is gonna be a big focus on early years um earlier specifically music and movement and reading um so I'm gonna be talking a bit about my favorite books that I enjoy reading to the um, nursery and reception kids in my school, and I am going to be um, talking to, um, I'm going to be sharing a pre-recorded interview I did with uh, two awesome um, early years music teachers and songwriters, Nick Young and Jen Stillion Young. Um, and. I've used many many of their songs in my own lessons Um, so I'm really excited to share that with you it was a great chat but first um, obviously I'm not I'm a specialist teacher I'm primary but I'm also a specialist teacher and um, I'm a specialist in music and in um, in IT and computing Um, So i don't get to teach english that much i don't get to teach maths that much and honestly i in i really enjoy my bit my job being that way that is what i'm good at it's what i do best um but it does mean um that i it does mean that there are some things that are very enjoyable that I can miss out on sometimes. And I, I I do enjoy doing when I get the opportunity. And one of those things is reading to the kids. Um, and I have a collection of um, some um, early EYFS books that I do really enjoy <laughs> reading to the kids and sometimes I will finish off a music lesson with um, <clears throat> I will finish off a music lesson with a um, with with one of my favorite books which they will ask for after I've read it to them once and I used to do it more because um, there were there have been times where I've taught phonics or I've um, covered classes and um, for you know, core subject lessons and things like that um but generally I don't do that that much so I'm gonna talk a bit about some of my personal favorites and then I might put the question to uh Twitter after this show and we'll see what they come up with so um one of um I I guess I'll I'll list off my top five first and then um and then i'll think about if there are any honorable mentions so number five is um that's why i love minecraft now um for those that listen to my show regularly they'll know i'm very into video games um and they'll know that i'm very into um gaming and uh creativity and that i use games in education where i can um so and one um adam clark who wrote uh, who did the building for the book that's why i love minecraft so all the illustrations were built in minecraft by adam clark better known as wizard Keen on youtube who i actually had on the show um several weeks back um and he then um, built, uh, made builds, and they were put to a poem by Tony Walsh, um, and it's it's a really really powerful piece. Not just about the beauty of you know Minecraft as a game, but um, but 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 the creativity that can come with it. And so I think that. Um, it's a very it's a very powerful book and um the uh, i'll read you the opening two lines i know i had adam reading it when he was a guest on my show a few weeks back um so it starts off with the following i love to practice till it sticks i love to learn the latest tricks to build myself a world of bricks and that's why i love minecraft I love to mine and to explore. I love to watch my towers soar. Then more ideas and more and more, and that's why I love Minecraft." And each page ends with, and that's why I love Minecraft. And it's just all about different aspects of the game. Um, Sorry, just replying to a text message. Um, (laughs) There we go. Um, So that's um that's why I love Minecraft oh Eric Eric says uh, green eggs and ham is one of his favorites yeah so Eric I can um uh thank thanks for listening and I can um I can help make I can help you out um with that if you like after the show um obviously I can't while I'm uh, recording and live streaming the show but I can certainly give you the, give you a hand um so um that's why I love Minecraft is number five number four is uh chocolate cake by uh, michael rosen i have had the pleasure of meeting michael rosen twice and um now i i am very energetic teacher but i can't compete with michael rosen I don't think anybody can, to be honest, he's just too, he's just too good um, at at, at entertaining and reading and making people laugh and writing. Um, But chocolate cake is great fun to read Um, and, you know, where I can, and one of my philosophies on teaching music is that I play my own instruments and I do things as much as I can uh myself now I know lots of people will play the um I know lots of people will play the 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 uh the video of Michael Rosen performing it which has become a bit of an internet meme um especially the uh noise uh thing that's become that's become a meme a gif and a gif that I've seen quite a lot um but um but yeah it's 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 good that's michael rosen talking to a camera and even if you can't like do it at the same level that michael rosen can you can still you know give it a really good go and um yeah making all the noises and uh doing all the actions and making people very hungry yeah um dr seuss eric is always a classic um sam i am green eggs and ham the cat in the hat um all that good stuff yeah dr seuss is always a classic to read um my back to back to michael rosen's chocolate cake yeah there's uh, for those that don't know it's about um a boy who um it's about a boy who uh well a boy named michael appropriately enough who um who gets a bit obsessed with this chocolate cake and then ends up eating the whole thing before um uh uh, and then and then goes to bed and then realizes he's eaten the whole thing and um he feels a bit bad about it but there's loads of um but there's loads of really um yeah you can make some really silly noises um and um uh, at the end is like oops i feel bad about it but do you think that um do you think that my mum will forget about it all um this this so Mike, michael could give bruce bogtrotter a run for his money he really could um with, with the fact that he managed to just eat a whole chocolate cake before school um so number three is the dinosaur that pooped a planet by Tom Fletcher and Dougie Pointer of McFly Fame um i really i re- i uh, there now we get into the very immature stuff um and the dinosaur that pooped a planet is is very clever it's also extremely immature you know it's about um a, a, each book in the series is about you know a dinosaur you know that just basically poos everywhere and everything um so yeah the dinosaur that poops the planet um tom fletcher and dougie uh tom fletcher is one of the lead singers of uh, mcfly he also has written other books like the Christmasaurus, the creakers um and uh has adapted them for stage um has written musicals of both of those books um so you know as well as being in a in a band he's he's also a bit a good musician he's also you know been been doing a lot of musical theater and writing and stuff and um yeah dinosaur that poops a planet very immature um it's also very funny and um yeah the the in 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 the dinosaur that poops a the planet they're bored um and they decide to go to the uh, science museum um where they manage to launch a rocket into space um and they get stuck they forgot to pack their lunch dinosaur ends up eating the rocket and then um makes himself into a poo-powered rocket to get home so yeah very immature um but it's it's also a lot of fun and um i guess the key thing the key bit that um kids always look out for in it is um is when um is when uh it the the, there's there's a word at the end and uh sorry what is it yeah yeah um Uh, there's just one page that literally says the word poo and that's it and there's a rhyme before it so in this case it's with a feeling of guilt deep down in its gut its brain brewed a plan involving its butt it knew there was only one thing it could do to get them back home it needed to and then you turn the page and you get the kids to shout poo and um, and then you see the next page and it's um basically the dinosaur you're having um a massive amount of diarrhea and uh and making turning himself into a poo-powered rocket to get Danny and dinosaur home um yeah it's very immature but very fun and um you know i know i know some people are like seriously with this um there's a uh <laughs> there's a what's it i i quite i like a lot of mcfly songs and i think you know tom fletch is a really good singer-songwriter and i know that sort of people look at me when i say that and they then they sort of look at me and say what are you serious but he is he's a really he's actually a very talented musician if you look past um a lot of the uh system the pop music system that he's the that he's in that he's in and the band are in and that that they're sort of um in the mainstream and some people don't like the mainstream but actually a lot of what a lot of what they've done is very clever and um and very entertaining and all sorts it is was it so i i do i do appreciate that and um when when mcfly was um taking a bit of a break and doing other projects this is what tom and dougie decide to do um and they wrote a very funny book okay number two and my number 2 favorite book to read to kids is one i can't always do because some people feel uncomfortable about it because it is about nudity it's Nuddy Ned um now Nuddy Ned is hilarious um it's it's very funny and when i do have permission to read it to kids it not only gets a great reaction from the kids it gets a great reaction from adults as well um for those that haven't heard of Nuddy Ned it's basically a boy called Ned decides to run around naked for no reason that is literally the plot and it's got um and it's it's a rhyming book and it's um just really funny and it's got lift the flaps and underneath each of the flaps yeah it is sort of tricks kids into thinking that um it tricks the kids into thinking that um that that when you lift the flap it's going to expose his uh is privates but it never does um so
2: um
1: yeah it's it, it starts out um it starts out um he's yeah they're, they're they're making the bed and ned's had a bath and then just randomly decides to run around with uh without any clothes on um and uh then it's it and then the, the first page you have a flap and uh, uh it has a flap and uh it says Ned leapt across the sofa and raced into the hall, then charged out through the front door with nothing on at all. And then I always say, okay, what do you think's going to be behind the flap? and the the younger kids are sort of giggling because they think it's going to be it, it's going to you know expose expose his private but um it never does there's always something in the way and that's that's the hilarity of it but it also gets brilliant reactions from um other adults in the room as well who are just uh putting their heads and heads in their hands just just thinking what is this and um sort of thinking oh it's 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 gonna actually expose it and then um and then yeah it just uh, it just goes on from there and uh, Ned decides to just run around the whole town and um surprise everybody with his you know nudity um shocking everybody and uh you know is making fun of everyone but it gets better it gets better the resolution isn't that um oh that the, his parents catch him and he puts clothes on he's actually um at the very end he's um his parents are shouting yeah come back here And um, Ned's just said, "Yeah, no, it's it's just fun running around naked. Basically, it's not said, Ned. It's monster fun. Don't be so fuddy duddy." And then it ends with the following line: Ned's mum and dad sat on the grass. Was it really worth this fuss? Perhaps he's right. We could find out. Yahoo, Ned, wait for us! And the last page and the last image is literally the parents the mum and dad throwing their clothes off with you know their uh with with two of their items of clothing covering their butts and them going after ned completely naked um and that is literally the last page (laughs) and you know it's just it's just one of those it's just one of those books where you just have to turn your it's very clever but you also do have to turn your logical brain off a bit for a moment um and it is just I I I love when I'm allowed to because I'm not always allowed to and I I understand if you know some people feel uh, some people feel uncomfortable with that I understand but personally I think Nuddy Ned is hilarious and I love reading it to kids I love also the reactions of adults in the room as well when they're sort of uh, or or older kids as well when I when I tell them you know what the plot of this book is and I tell them look at where the flap is and they're just thinking oh my god this is the most messed up thing ever um it's just yeah it's it's a great laugh nutty Ned um when i'm allowed to read it it's a great laugh all right number one number one for me is the book with no pictures by bj novak for those that um bj novak is um one uh, one of the actors from the american version of the office and yeah He wrote um, the book with no pictures, which is a book aimed at reception in year one age children. And it is pure genius. Um, It's absolutely pure genius. I mean, I've never, I don't know how he was able to come up with this in his head. But it was, it was so, so funny. and. It's it's properly designed for adults to read to children like it's um some kid some books are designed for kids to read to parents or you know kids and uh, kids to read themselves but the book with no pictures is purely designed for either bigger kids to read to younger kids, or for adults to read to reception and year one age kids. And trust me, um, some nursery children don't get it, but others do. But with their roughly four or five, uh, six years old, guaranteed laughter pretty much every time you read it. Um, what it's about is it is it is literally a book with no pictures because you know obviously young kids they read picture books and um and it starts off uh, the front cover makes it look like it's going to be really boring um it's a, you know literally don't judge a book by its cover um and it starts off with the words this is a book with no pictures it might seem like no fun to have someone read you a book with no pictures it probably seems boring and serious except here is how books work everything the words say the person reading the book has to say no matter what now i'm not going to spoil the rest but let's just say that it takes full advantage of the fact that the adult reading, it has to say every single words the book says. And so um, and it the words go then change colour, they go in different colours. And um, yeah, the adult reading it has to say some nonsense sounds and ham it up and act it up and say things like, you know, um, my and my head is made of blueberry pizza. Um, and uh so and and if you if you act it up and ham it up then you can get some absolutely brilliant reactions and then by this point if they've never read the book before the kids realize oh hang on a minute this is hilarious um and it, you know if you're an early years teacher and you get the energy up and you act it out then you can really really do some amazing um the the book just the book with no pictures is guaranteed laughter for four and five-year-olds some six-year-olds as well every single time really is um it's it's best for adults to read it to kids um and yeah there's there's lots of interactivity in it it's like um can I this book is ridiculous can I stop reading yes and you get the kids to shout no um and yeah then and then there's one page where the adult reading it has to say my only friend in the whole wide world is a hippo named Boo Boo but and of course that sets everyone off um and yeah so check it out the book with no pictures by BJ Novak easily my favorite book to read to younger kids. Um, now, to older kids, um, I guess, as their personalities develop, they then get more of their own tastes, whether they'll be into non fiction, fiction, fantasy, science fiction, science fiction, and things. And um, yeah, the, so I guess they can then start start making their own decisions but like you can obviously introduce some more concepts to them through chapter books but that I was focusing on earlier today and those are my favorites so I might do some of my favorite sort of books for upper primary sort of chapter books later on um in in um in a future show but anyway right now i'm i'm we're gonna have a word from our sponsors and then i will be playing you um i'll be playing you my pre-recorded interview with my guests so stick around
0: aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more.
3: Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen great improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and Arc Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N.co.uk.
0: Introducing Bulb.
1: Um, so this interview is all pre-recorded, um, but it's um, a great, um... oh, before I do, let's uh, chat to Eric. He's uh, just called in, and then I'll play the interview.
2: Hello, Eric. Hello, how you doing? I'm uh, all right. How am, I? how am I sounding right now?
1: Um, yeah, you're sounding clear.
2: Okay, it's an it's a old analog uh, mic and headset. But it worked for me. Yeah, yeah, I like the book. Yeah, I like the books that you had out. It was pretty good. But I made my own little story, as you saw in the in the chat.
1: Yeah, I did. You, <laughs> I saw you were uh, you were um. I'll just read this out for those that are listening after the show's gone live, because you um he kind of turned the Eric kind of turned the books that I mentioned into his own version of Green Eggs and Ham um so yeah sam i am i like green eggs and ham i like Mm -hmm. talking in spam the troll that i am don't play no mind to me i'm being silly yes i am then put on some underwear i don't care make your bed up brush your teeth Put on a new pair of underwear Mm -hmm. don't forget to comb your hair then go eat your breakfast of green eggs and ham because it's me sam i am i like eggs green bacon and ham Mm -hmm. that's that's I like it. I like
2: it. Yeah, very much. That was at the top of my head.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, so did you have anything else you wanted to add?
2: No, I just wanted to uh, check everything out. I've been on your show before the last couple of Sundays. So, Saturdays, I've been on your show. So, I just wanted yeah. to see uh, how, how my system was working. Oh, cool. Today. Yeah. Well, All right, this thank is your.
1: You. This is your first time listening to to my show. so thanks. No, no, I
2: listened to your show before. Oh, okay, cool. I listened to it um, the last couple of Saturdays, I think it was. Or the last couple of times you was on, I listened to it. Oh,
1: cool. Well, Um, thank you very much, Sarah. All right, no
2: problem. All right, well, Um, you have a great one. Thank you.
1: Yeah, you too, man okay so time for me to play my as I said time for me to play my pre-recorded interview with Nick and Jen um enjoy I really loved this interview (laughs) okay welcome back to the show everybody and now it is time for my guests and my guest today are both um early years music educators and experts in that field from the united states of america from uh california specifically um i have nick young and jen Stillian. did i say that right you did yes cool yeah and um so yeah they're from southern california they um nick has been teaching and uh pre-school as they call it in america music for over 30 years and has been training other teachers and how to do it and uh jen has helped with a podcast they've been making together and uh doing some of the things on nick's youtube channel and all sorts of other stuff so i'm very excited to have them as i use a lot of Nick's songs in my own lessons. So Nick, Jen, thank you so much for joining me.
4: Thank you, Joe. It's great to meet you. And it's really, really an honor and a privilege to be on your show. Thank you so much.
1: Cool. So I wanted to start off by um, just you two talking about your backgrounds and growing up. So like, um, what was school like for you? And did you both have many musical opportunities growing up?
4: Yeah, Jen, do you want to go first? Or?
5: Yeah, go, go. you take it. Okay, anyway, okay. Because you're older than me. So we are a uh, husband and wife team for those who are listening. That's right. And, you know, <laughs> she
4: always reminds me that I'm older than her. Nine so. years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <different. laughs> we Different childhoods.
5: So you take it away first, and then I'll go
4: okay um uh, well joe it's great to be here my name is nick young i'm an early childhood music educator and i have been bringing music into classrooms preschool classrooms for over 30 years i started well you asked about our childhood i'm i come from a musical family so my parents are musicians my dad professional musician with when i was growing up and also uh, my stepmom is an as a professor of child development but she had a family childcare when I was younger and I worked there as a preschool teacher starting when I was 20 years old uh, for five years. And that's really where I got started bringing the musical element because I just saw I would just bring my guitar in to to play with the children. And I started to see how they responded to the music and I started to kind of get an inkling of of the really just the power that that uh, music and movement are have with children in early in early years.
1: Nice. And Jen, how about you? Yeah.
5: yeah, I am a dance educator. So I, since I was, you know, since I can walk, I loved, as soon as music came on in my household, I just would dance all the time. So I grew up dancing, I grew up singing, I grew up performing, I loved the stage, doing shows and performing my whole life and you know it was something that you know my family would always have dance parties and my mom loved to dance and we would just have fun and dance in our living room as kids and just enjoy the you know music of movement so it was was already ingrained in me and when i met nick he was already doing music and i was working for a company that had to do with bringing dance to children and so we came together it was like this beautiful match not just romantically Mm. (laughs) But professionally, and so I started to team up with him, and him and I started doing music shows. So we were kind of like the Wiggles. I was Jen, the fairy dancer. He's Nick, the music man. And we started doing all these shows, and I use my, you know, upbringing of music and dance and singing harmonies to all his songs and bringing the movement element. And we started performing and, you know, recording kids' albums, and and now here we are, years later. So. (laughs)
1: Nice. Fun. Yeah. So um so so you go th- so you both had um kind of did music through and danced throughout your childhoods. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um all right. So yeah, now obviously you Nick, you mentioned that you um it, was it your your mum that uh, did you say that had um that, that had the childcare setting?
4: Yeah, my stepmom. Yes, stepmom. My other mom. Yeah. (laughs) uh, She had a family childcare, which I don't know if it's the same term uh, in the UK, but that means a a school in your home. So, so where you have a school at home, she had a classroom. Uh, It was this wonderful, it was a Montessori school. And uh, that's really where I learned how to work with young children. And I saw from her example how she interacted with the children. You know, treating them with respect as as human beings, and uh, and never being you know punitive or mm-hmm. or belittling to them. Always using you know positive uh, you know choices for them to make, and so that's really been my approach in my uh, in all my interactions with preschool kids. And after working there for five years, I started. Uh, teaching, uh, I started branching out and teaching music in, in other preschools. and I and I kind of evolved on a preschool music and movement program where I would travel into various private preschools and teach weekly classes. So I would drive all over the place, all over Southern California and have my classes each day of the week where I would go to the school and teach with the children and uh, started to develop my, my own unique approach, uh, taking a lot of inspiration from other people, other artists and educators uh, to develop uh, interactive music and movement and really optimizing it uh, to be highly engaging and active and something that the children uh, are really just feel a natural connection with and that they can just instantly enjoy without any kind of you know, training or, or practice. Uh, the, the whole approach of my, my kind of uh, music for children is is that it's just something that the children instantly can connect with.
1: Yeah. Have you done, have you, either of you saw any other age groups outside of preschool?
4: Well, I've definitely worked with <coughs> younger younger, like infants and toddlers, and also yeah. early elementary age kids. So kids up to about second grade Okay. But really preschool is my focus, which is, I just I think of that as two to four years old, even mm. five years old, you know, kindergarten yeah. age kids. But um, really that's, the, I'm really, my stuff is designed for that preschool age group.
1: Yeah. Have you, Jen? have you had any other experience doing dance stuff with uh, any other age groups?
5: Oh yeah. Age, preschool all the way to adult. So, oh, you know, I've great. taught, I had a hip hop program called, um, what was it called again? Hip hop. Hooray or something. Hip hop um. <laughs> And so it, you know, it was geared towards preschool, but I taught elementary kids all the way up to high school. And I would do like assemblies come, they would hire me to do assemblies. And, but I've taught dance for so long. And I've, you know, right now I, I don't teach kids anymore, but I do um, bring a movement piece to adults because it doesn't matter how old you are. Everyone loves no. to dance, you know? Yeah. And it, it's ageless. And whether you think you're a good dancer or not, you hear your favorite song on the radio and you're in your car, you can't help but shake your shoulders or do something fun or you're cooking in yeah. the kitchen. It's just a part of you. Music and dance is just a part of you. So, yeah, yeah I've taught all ages
1: because it's fun. And I guess um, this is something that can be, uh, well, You'd hope because, you know, the older kids get perhaps the more cynical they might they might get about the adults in front of them. but when you're teaching preschool or early years as we call it in the UK um that there's that, kind of the kids love it when you get a little bit silly with them and uh, and just let yourself go now uh, I know that you've uh both sort of done uh, some work training uh preschool teachers how have you found they've been generally have they been willing to engage if they've been willing to let themselves go.
4: Yeah, yeah. And I, that's something we've done a, a ton of, of teacher training workshops for uh, different uh, institutions uh, that provide early childhood education, uh, mainly for a program in the US called Head Start, which is a mm-hmm. federally funded uh, preschool program. Okay. Uh, we do a lot of work with Head Start. And, and uh, The teachers, because we'll, we'll come to a conference, like a big early childhood education conference. uh, And we'll, and there's all these workshops on, you know, how to keep your books and, and all this technical stuff that's really dry. And then they come to our workshop and they're dancing and singing and playing Mm -hmm. instruments and, and they always uh, love it. And it's, and, and I think. My approach to doing the workshops with the teachers is similar to to what I, the work that I do with the kids. It's like, let's have fun and really experience this, uh, because you know I think a lot of teachers are attracted to early childhood education because they want to work with the children and they want to have you know, they want to be in that play space with the children. Yeah. Uh, but I think a lot of times they they're not able to do that as much as they like to because of all the other responsibilities that they have related mm. to their teaching job. So this is yes. like a time when they can really just have the big group and get them all dancing and lead the group and all these fun uh, interactive songs and stories and rhythm games. And, uh, you know, I think it's it's something that almost every preschool classroom, you'll find some element of music. But mm. um, what, what I like to try to provide to the teachers is an intentional curriculum and an approach where I can really show them from my many years of experience working in the classroom, here's how you can make a really effective and fun and intuitive uh, uh, music experience for your students. And not just for teachers, but also for parents at home, they wanna bring interactive music and movement into the home, especially when there's lockdowns and, and all that stuff, you wanna have that, you know, get them off the iPad and get them interacting face-to-face and moving and dancing. and so there's a yeah. To answer your question, it's it's all about kind of like play with the with the educational element.
1: Yeah, and and something as a music specialist myself, I'm sure that um, all three of us have kind of found that music for a generalist um, teacher in ele- in an elementary school or primary school, as we call it, or. Um, uh, or someone who works in preschool or early years one of the subjects that people are often the least confident with is is music um a lot of them wish they could do more but they just don't know how to and uh so what would you say kind of has been the most well not not in, in in terms of personal things but what have teachers that have been trained by you, perhaps found the most challenging thing to, to get across and to, to, to get into their heads?
4: Well, um, you know, I think
5: class management,
4: oh, yeah, class management is a is a mm. big part of it. Um, I think, you know, a lot of times teachers they like you're right, they don't feel competent, because they're not musicians, necessarily. To lead music groups, especially when we bring in the element of like rhythm sounds and music notes and things like that
3: yeah.
4: Uh, a lot of times they just want to put on a, a you know some music and get the kids dancing while they go you know clean the tables or do paperwork or something yeah. Uh, and our approach is much more the teacher is an inner like an integral part of the whole thing and yeah and they're leading the group and they're modeling the movements. uh. But I think you Jen you're so right about the class management element, because the kind of music that we like to do in the classroom is very active so the children are jumping like a frog flying like a superhero riding on a. Yeah. train. they're they're moving with each other in the group space, and that does present some. Uh, some class class management challenges but I also like to think of them as opportunities for social emotional growth, and and especially because we kind of apply a certain class management te- technique and system, which is really an important element of the whole equation. So that the children are, you know, this is something where the children are, um, they're very, very motivated to want to participate because they enjoy it so much. Like when I come into classrooms, uh, mostly on Zoom nowadays, but the children the teacher tells me that the children ask every day is it music nick day today and so they're looking forward to the music time they really want to do it and they like to do all the different elements including instrument time when they get to play shakers and drums and scrapers and triangles and bells and things and uh so because they're so motivated and it's such a comfortable and safe environment for them uh there when we apply our class management tools uh, i think it has a particular effectiveness because what we do is we give them choices. So we say, like, if there's a, you know, first of all, if, if I'm having a challenge with a child in the music group, if their behavior is disruptive and maybe it's, it seems like it's kind of detracting from the experience of the group, uh, then I'll just say, is your body ready for music today? Are you re- are you able to make your body ready for music today? And usually if I just say that, then they're, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, no problem. Uh, and if that doesn't work, then I have a whole series of different steps I go through, but it's all based on giving them the choice about taking care of them for their friends and taking care of themselves and. Uh, and so that's just kind of like it's, it has that social, emotional, developmental uh, benefit to it, I think.
1: Yeah, I,
5: just, I think what the, the questions that we we've, we've been you know that ask after we do like a training with teachers is like is like how do I keep. How do I keep the class going? How do I keep it going? Because you are, like Nick says, you are the shiny object in the room. So Mm -hmm. what happens with teachers is like, if they see one kid out of line or two kids, they stop the music to address their attention on those two kids and we train them to keep it going. Don't stop, go from one song to another. And you have to have different language. Like you have to use a different language. You have to use different energy to keep it moving. And I think that is the challenge for Mm -hmm. teachers to step, to be confident to step into that and um and to, to lead to lead a whole right to lead a whole mm-hmm. class of music and movement and we train them to do that but i think that's probably the the thing that maybe is the struggle or the thing that they have to just practice doing is to get yeah. it going because kids get bored after like you know if you have like what is it like a minute between each song yeah. they're mm. you lose their attention so
1: yeah and do, do you know what um because I I I have seen in my own sessions, like I have um, seen some 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 sort of a, a adult interaction with the kids, where it's like they're they're trying they're trying to kind of um, engage them through you know, come on, you must do this. And there's and I am just taking them aside and saying no no don't do that in my sessions please thank you uh, it's like um, but but do you know what um, when I found your YouTube channel Nick the thing that I was really attracted uh, to the stuff that you do and I I just thought yeah this is this is the kind of music lesson I want to teach. was uh, was the first time I saw your, you know, Nick the Music Man class part one part two, and I was thinking, yes, this really, uh, this really sits well with me. I think one of the main reasons why is because you actually play and sing yourself, where instead of using a backing track, and I know that's not always possible. But it just provides so much value, doesn't it? And so so sort of what what would you say to maybe a teacher who might be a bit afraid of using live instruments or playing things live? Because I've even had a couple of music specialists say, oh, yeah, I do play the piano and we have a piano, but we use a backing track first because the piano is too distracting. What would you say to that?
4: Well, I, I mean, uh, I think there's a place for both because I wouldn't want to limit teachers who aren't um, musicians, yeah. Uh, but I think the main, the most important thing is to select material that you're going to present that's going to be engaging to the children, mm-hmm. uh, because there's a lot of music that's supposedly for children that I think is actually for grown-ups. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know? a lot. Oh <laughs> it yeah. Doesn't have that interactive element, and it's just like a fun, nice song, but it's not, it's not getting the children interacting and moving. Nah. And uh, so I think that's number one is to select music like uh, that's going to have that interactive element that you've noticed in the videos on the YouTube. Um, mm. But for Jen as a dancer with her hip hop for kids program, she has an album called Hip Hop Jen's Kids Dance Party, and it's we created it together uh, with a lot of you know drums and and bass and and her singing, and uh, it's super super interactive. And I think one of the things that's I love playing the, the guitar and singing for the groups, but I think one of the advantages that teachers who are using pre-recorded music is they're free to to model the movements. So, like if a song is saying, uh, "Tap your foot, wiggle your shoulders, clap your hands, turn around," they can do all those things without having to be playing the guitar at the same time, and mm-hmm. that kind of gives an extra boost to the interactive element of it. Um, yeah. but I think you're right. I've, I think you know, over the, my career, I've so many little children. I think I've spawned probably a thousand guitar players because <laughs> they see me coming in yes. every week playing the guitar. And then the parents tell me, oh, we had to get him a guitar for home. And, and <laughs> he, the children will get their parents together and say, I'm the band. Yeah, <laughs> 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 and they'll lead music groups with their parents and their siblings at home, you know, and they kind of do like a, a, a facsimile of our program that we do at the, at the school. So, uh, I think there's, there's, there's strengths on both sides, you know, with that.
1: Yeah. Um, cause yeah, I, 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 guess, I, I guess I, I do see your point there because obviously I can't, I can't demonstrate the actions if I am playing the guitar or the piano. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a very good point. I usually try and get the other adult who's in the room to do that um sort of i i show everybody the actions then once they're confident i'll then get get on my instrument and play and then hopefully they'll be confident enough to uh to get in on that um have it, actually i've just i've just thought of this now i mean um because i have taught um a couple of teachers a few ukulele chords which they've gone ahead and um and used a bit In their lessons, have you ever done that? Have you ever like taught teachers how to play uh, any sort of guitar or ukulele or anything like that?
4: Well, what I not so much that because I really feel like when I play guitar in my music groups, uh, I'm not just strumming open chords, it has to be like really, really rhythmic. I'm almost using my guitar as a percussion instrument a lot of the times, giving it like, yeah. You know, a little percussive, rhythmic sound to give, because the children really respond to that. Yeah. But what I have done is over my career, because we have a mobile preschool music program where we travel into schools and teach, and we have teachers that we hire, usually we find people that sing and play guitar that are, you know, think that they'd be fun to play with children. And we, if we find the right kind of person who's still connected with their inner five-year-old, then we can mm-hmm. train them to do what we do. And uh, I've done that many, many times over the course of our of our careers uh, where I'll bring people in, train them, give them a schedule of schools to go teach at, and then we send them out and t- to be teaching And we have teachers doing that now nice. uh, but I'm always starting with someone who has that you know at least some proficiency on the instrument already.
1: Okay cool. so, um... I want to um, I wanted to talk um, about a few uh, specifics now because of course um, you've written some songs that I use in my lessons, like my kids love animals on the move and riding on a train. Um, I love I love doing those with them. Uh, they're, they're great and also some of the traditional ones that I know you've done as well, like Shake Your Sillies Out and Che Che kule and uh, and things like that. Um, and what is, well, first off, what's your favorite song that you've uh, uh, written, you think?
4: Well, you know, Joe, first I have to say, it's so amazing that you're using those songs with your students. <laughs> I just love that so much. And I,
1: oh yeah, and I am a pirate as well. I love that one. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I mean, I sometimes we will go to conferences and people will stop us and say, are you, Are you nick the music man and jen the Fairy dancer you know because we don't you know we're like in this little corner of the world doing our music program we don't realize these things kind of go out into the world but Mm -hmm. uh that's just that's wonderful to hear that um uh okay so what's my favorite one out of the over 100 songs i've written um Uh well animals on the move is probably one of the one of the ones i mean that that first Sex, like I have a, I have a curriculum program called uh, Play Motion Music and yeah I've got ten modules of curriculum and uh, that's that's from the first one the imagination module so it's it starts out with um, shake your hands and then it's moving your body blues which is a directed movement song where the children yeah. tap their foot and all that then it's animals on the move riding on a train so those those are like really the core that everything else has kind of grown out from from those uh, th- i wrote those songs probably 25 years ago nice. and still i still use them all the time in my class i
1: i was seven years old at the time <laughs> <laughs> wow.
4: that's amazing uh,
1: yeah. awesome. um, that's cool so what would you say is um the key the sort of the key things to consider let's say I wanted to write a song for early years or yeah. someone listening wanted to write a song an original song for early years what do you think are the key things to consider when writing that song
4: okay so and jen chime in because you're you know all about this too but um i've thought about this a lot i give teacher i give i have i just created a course uh for the national head start association where i'm really talking about this you know and and Uh, Not so much how to write one, but how to choose music that's going to be, you know, that's going to be effective. Mm. And I think the song should tell you what to do. So I I, I divide them into two songs, into two categories. There's directed movement and imaginative movement. So a directed movement song is like moving your body blues, where it tells you to tap your foot, wiggle your shoulders, turn around, clap your hands. Yeah. Uh an imaginative <clears throat> movement is like Animals on the Move, where it says crawl like a spider, swim like a dolphin, fly like a bird. Because yeah. in this in the second case, we're just kind of giving them a premise and then they get to really be creative about how they are gonna move and they're gonna say, Well, how every child's gonna crawl like a spider in its own unique way, you know? Hmm. Uh and there's really a place for both of those. So whether it's imaginative movement or directed movement, it's gonna need to tell you very clearly what what you're gonna be doing in the song. Now, having said that, when I teach teachers, I always say, before you start the song, give a brief introduction first. So say it's moving your body blues, say, friends, we're gonna be tapping our foot. And then you tap your foot and you get them to tap their foot. And you kind of give that little intro into the song and then you start the song. And then the song says, tap your foot. So it should tell you what to do. But a lot of songs, the mistake that some people make is They'll say, tap your foot, wiggle your shoulders, turn around, and it's all too quick. They don't have time to kind yeah. of really enjoy the movement that they've just been instructed to do. So mm-hmm. if you're gonna tap your foot, it's tap your foot, make it bounce up and down. you know, So you give them some time to have that time, or if it's spiders are creeping, spiders are creeping, creeping all around, and stop. So yeah. there's a section after the instruction where the movement is taking place and you don't rush them into the next movement. And then just keeping it, uh, you know, then you have another thing, another thing that comes through the song that that's giving them other fun, interesting things to do. Um, you know, I'm. it's always a winner to do animals. I think children really love moving their bodies like different kinds of animals. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have a song about super kids where they get to be super kids. So you can just yeah. sort of like get into your inner child and think about what what do children really enjoy. Sometimes in my classes, I'll say... What should we have a song about Some, a lot of my songs have come from in my music groups where the children say do a song about a race car and i'll say oh okay and start kind of mm-hmm. improvising something about a race car and then pretty soon i have a song about a race car nice. so and then i always refine the songs after you know in my group so if i write a new song or a new module of of music i'll start doing it in my classes and i and i get and i get to see how the children respond to it and refine it so that it's um, so I can see if it's very effective, and I'll and I'll take elements out, or I'll just throw away a song if it's just not working. Uh, so it has to be developed in the context of working with children, because you're not going to just know necessarily what's going to be super effective. So I think it's that's one thing that I notice about some children's music is, it's like, do these guys even? get are they around kids ever you know because you know, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't seem to me like something that's going to really engage children
1: okay
5: you, Jen? <laughs> you took it <laughs> away you took the microphone sorry. away. sorry <laughs> <laughs> well so. I mean it's the same for adults too if you think about the popular songs like um, the cha-cha slide Um, yeah what that is or you know the electric slide or movements that stand out like the running man it's like the signature moves it's like even for adults it's like they it's like it tells you what to do with your body and people love that it doesn't matter what you know how old you are it's like tell me what to do and then it's a directive movement so it's the same with children there's no difference really um and it's become really effective so yeah i think you gave such a great example of directive movement or imaginative movement and and really getting into the classroom and see what the kids want, not just to make the assumption thinking that that's what they want. I think that's the mistake with a lot of artists who were who develop kids music. It's like they just mm-hmm. make this assumption and not really test it out in the actual classroom. Same with dancing, too, because there's a lot of. Um, you know fun songs out out there that teachers will put on in the classroom to dance to and it's just like kids don't they need direction they need to know yeah. what to do with their bodies so yeah
1: yeah i guess um because yeah i i have i have seen that a little bit i will actually i will actually give you give you guys one example of this right there was um it it was and it was a disco so like it wasn't a music lesson it was a disco but um for and it was for reception which is four and five year olds to year and year ones which is five and six year olds and the dj put on ed sheeran's shape of you and the dj then got a five-year-old girl to sing i'm in love with your body into the microphone and i was just i i I had to complain to head teacher that's what we call principals in the uk it was just like whoa okay that was not appropriate man (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's just people yeah some people just don't consider these things um so you know i know exactly i know exactly what you mean um so so where, where, where am i now um yeah so i've seen also that as well as um obviously you've developed a lot of curriculums and you've actually done other you've included other subjects in your programs like spanish and science and things like that so what what's your approach to teaching preschool science or spanish through through music
4: Oh man, I love this question. Uh, Yeah, so we have, I've actually ended up, I have 16 modules, 10 of the best modules are on in my online membership right now. And uh, when I created Play Motion Music, uh, I started out with the first module, the Imagination module. And then I said, okay, what am I gonna do next? And I had a lot of songs because I'd already been teaching by then for about 20 years. And uh, I, um, I said, I'm going to do a new module every month. Uh, I actually got uh, some contracts with some schools where they said, okay, we want, we want this program. So I was like, okay, i really got to buckle down and make this music. And what's, what I've been so pleased to discover was how, um, how powerful music and movement is for helping children to learn about other subjects, academic subjects, like we have a pre math module and a pre spelling and reading module, and a nature module and science and, uh, and how easy it is to integrate this other learning kind of another layer of learning because interactive music and movement for preschool, early learning early years children. Uh, sorry, I just got a something, something, sorry. Right. <laughs> Um uh, there's a lot of developmental benefits. There's been a lot of research about how music uh, activities in early childhood are beneficial to the children. Uh, for instance, their cognitive development, their social emotional development, their gross and fine motor skills, their uh, impulse control, their academic performance has improved, their language development has improved so much. And that's just from being involved in music and movement. So just that that's the base kind of level of of benefit that comes to the children from from these activities. But then you can put in another layer where you're saying, Well, let's do songs about science. So The challenge is, how do I make a song about storm clouds and how How water drops and ice crystals rub together inside of clouds and that creates electricity and then the electricity shoots down at the ground that's lightning and then we hear thunder. How do I make that into an interactive music and movement song so just applying the same principles that we talked about where you're giving instructions to the children uh, in the song built into the song and giving them space so that they can enjoy those movements and things. uh, The, then it kind of just lends itself to it. And then I feel my own personal opinion is when a, when a child is like if a teacher says, we're going to look at this picture book about science, I'm going to read it to you and show you the pictures that's one kind of passive way where the children are taking in information. Yeah. when they're interacting with the inter- information, if they're pretending to be uh, a, a storm cloud or a plant growing or a butterfly evolving from a caterpillar egg into a caterpillar and then into a chrysalis and then a butterfly, if they're doing all those movements, they're experiencing it in this visceral way that makes a much deeper connection and kind of gives them this other learning opportunity, and I—it's hard to believe that they're not getting a more something uh, extra that's added on when you have this music and movement element uh, yeah. added to it.
1: Have you, Jen? Have you ever done anything like that with your classes? Like incorporated other things with your movement?
5: Um. Yeah. Like I, I all incorporate like um like like self esteem. And um, I'll empower them with affirmations, with poses. Um, it's more, yeah. It's it's more on the on those lines. I'm trying to remember the songs. I haven't done. I haven't taught dance for kids in, in a long time. So mm, yeah, <laughs> um, in a while. So um, yeah. I don't. What, what else would I would do? Remember? yeah
4: well there's there's power like you call them power poses yeah power poses like stand like wonder woman or you know move your body in in ways that are empowering uh encouraging children to to move and dance using a lot of imagination i think you know for me i was a very imaginative child i lived in my world of, of fantasy and imagination as a child mm-hmm. so and i still am that person i still have a mm-hmm. lot of that in me so i can really put myself in the the shoes of a child and say what would be really fun you know to imagine and pretend about and it could be that i'm a superhero or that i'm riding on a train or that i'm uh you know that i can turn into all kinds of things like in in jen's cd or album the dance party album uh there's a song where they're everyone's walking around in a circle and then they walk like uh they walk like different animals and do different movements, and there's one where there are a prince and a princess, and then they're a rock star, and all these things are just kind of happening in the context of the song, and the children really enjoy it.
1: Oh, amazing. Um so um we're nearing um we're nearing sort of um the uh lots uh time, but I've got two uh two more things. So obviously you're quite you're both quite active on um, social media. And you've also got Well, I, I don't know if you're still doing it but, um you. Are you still doing the storytime podcast? Or is that stops?
4: Uh, that one through the National Head Start Association um, that went every Tuesday for about a year, and then they decided to stop having them every every week. And now we're doing kind of special events. So every month or so we'll do something like the Smithsonian National Zoo. And uh, we're doing it all on zoom. So okay, so that's still going on. Uh, But what I do in my membership is I have a weekly uh, music class on zoom. So all my members get to join me live on zoom and do an interactive music time. And then I also teach uh, for the Head Start program, I'm teaching about 16 classes a week on zoom for, for for preschool classrooms all over the country. So we live in California, but every Thursday and Friday I'm teaching a bunch of classes at schools in Florida and I teach you know all over the, the US uh, on Zoom. So that's been one of the interesting developments of, of things going online with the pandemic and everything.
1: Okay. All right. I would like you both now to tell me about Um, some of your biggest success stories. So that could either be with particular kids you've taught or particular adults you've taught or particular teachers that you have trained. What sticks out for for both of you?
4: Well, I will go first, I guess. Um, I have some really fun uh, examples because I've been teaching music in preschools for about 30 years. So I have had so many interactions and a lot of times i've taught in schools where it starts in the infant toddler room and then there's the preschool classroom and then there's the kindergarten and then there's the first grade and so i've had the experience of working with these children as they've gone through the levels and seen them develop and there's one there's several times when i've had students that i had in preschool and then i would see them later on uh, after they were in elementary school and grade school and they would tell me I got put in advanced band because I already knew how to read music from preschool, because you know, we do rhythm sounds and things where it's a very yeah. basic uh, way for children to start to learn to read a music. You, you
1: do You use the Kodai method, don't you tire TT, yes, uh, with yes. the notation. Yeah.
4: Yep. So there's been that. And then my <clears throat> other example is when I've had the opportunity to work, to work with children who are differently abled or have special needs. and. Mm. Uh, children who may be on the spectrum with autism or, uh, and I've had children in my classes where they were nonverbal, but they were able to, to, to do the activities a lot with us and specifically with the music notes and the rhythm sounds uh, where they learned how to read and play, ta, ti, ti, digi, digi, to, and play those on shakers and drums and scrapers and things. And uh, so even though this child was not able to speak verbally they were able to read and play these notes, and I had, you know, when the parents come in and they see their child doing that, then it's a big moment because they they realize, wow, my child is has this uh, you know connection with music, even though they're not able to speak. <coughs> uh, that was really, really, really a powerful, special moment for me.
1: Nice. How about you, Jen?
5: Well, um, has taken us, I mean, to. De- Di- many different adventures <laughs> to, like, mm-hmm. we've done so much we did so many shows in front of lots of people um i remember at one time we were doing a show at the la county um, office
4: of education oh well
5: there too it's just for me personally oh the uh,
4: was it the the uh la times festival of books yeah
5: yeah and that was front of that was a big deal we were we were the opening act for all these like famous authors and you know children's, children's authors. authors and yes. i remember henry, henry winkle was
4: henry, henry winkler
5: winkler yeah the fonts the fonts
1: <laughs>
4: nice then,
5: I mean, <laughs> we are just careers taking us everywhere and then to being you know husband and wife people would find out husband and wife team they're like oh my gosh and for me i mean personally where it's taken me is that you know it started out with with, with children but i realized that even adults all the way up to in, to people in their 80s Still craved, you know. Still craved unleashing their inner child and to have fun and to dance. And so, when we would do teacher trainings, you know, at one point I got asked to start doing trainings for adults, for the teachers, for the the um, the employees of um, this program called Head Start. And so it launched my career doing wellness programs, and I would incorporate dancing throughout the whole thing. The same thing that I would do for preschool age children is the same thing I would do for adults okay yeah and that's that kind of skyrocketed my career as a speaker and a presenter and providing you know this program to help boost confidence and self-esteem and it's it it was just very interesting of course i would speak differently to an adult than i would to a four-year-old child but Mm. it's just for me i realized this is like a need for all ages to have fun to get out of your head to enjoy the process, to enjoy music and dance as a way to get out of stress and anxiety, and there, I mean, there's so many benefits. So it allowed me to step into that. You know, my it just you just never know where your career is going to go. You just yeah. have to show up and do your thing. And
1: yeah, yeah. have either he... if you done think
4: just real quick because I think what Jen is pointing out is is that um, it has such a benefit for helping people to. Um, Release stress and anxiety, and we and we know that children, even children in early childhood, that's something that they deal with a lot. Mm. And there's stressors, yeah. especially in the last couple of years. There's been a lot of of ways that they've been stressed. Um, and I think that the music and movement applies across the board to children and, and adults as well.
5: But yeah. the parents and teachers need it
1: more than the children mm. because they're the models, right? They're the role models. Yeah, so and if and if somebody sees an adult that's stressed and yeah. that's then pr- pushing that onto the kids, that's unhealthy.
5: Yeah, and childrens are sponges. So I felt mm. in the middle of my career that there is a more need for me to to provide a wellness program, all the tools to help, you know, prioritize yourself to help with stress, anxiety, because you're you're just not only doing it for yourself, you're doing it for your students and you're doing it for your children. Yeah, and so.
1: Yeah. Have you? Um, have either of you? Just interestingly, have either of you ever done anything in the UK or in any other uh, or or outside
3: of the US? No.
5: Have we done anything internationally?
4: Um, with the children's music, only online. So I have done some okay. stuff online, um, but not having actually traveled there uh, to
5: but do we it. want to, yeah. sometimes
4: when we go on vacation, like we went to Hawaii, uh, for vacation and, and we booked a bunch of children's shows while we were there and we did kids shows and, uh, helped pay for the vacation and, and nice. make it a business trip.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess, um, so is it, is it, am I, am i sort of quite unique in the sense that i'm a music teacher that's from the uk that sort of uses some of your songs or have you got um other teachers internationally that use some of your stuff as well
4: yeah you have oh yeah. i think yeah, yeah a lot yeah, yeah there's a lot of people yeah. who sometimes people contact me from all over the world and and nice. say i'm using your your songs and my you know so i do hear from people and i those videos you mentioned the the Nick, the music man, kids, I can't remember what they're called, but there's, there's the
1: one that's got the most videos. views on your YouTube channel. Yes, that one. Yeah.
4: <laughs> uh, those really speak to people, especially people that are music teachers and educators. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They see that class and um, they, I think those videos are 10 years old now, but um, mm-hmm. they, they see that and they see the, how the children are responding to the music and, uh, it's really, um, really gratifying to see that. Yeah, it's, it's fun that it, it's something that people are using all over the world.
1: Brilliant. Well, um, we're nearly out of time. So last thing before we finish the interview, um, where can people find you guys online? And uh, how, yeah, where can people find you guys online?
4: Well, very good question, Joe. Thanks for asking. Um, So we have a brand new website. uh, It's called Mm playmotionmusic.com. And it is, uh, it's an online uh, membership where you can subscribe uh, for a low fee every month and you get access to the entire multimedia curriculum. So it's, you know, each of the modules that we talked about have song cards with the illustration and the lyrics and instructions on how to present that song or activity and then there's uh the audio tracks there's interactive videos with jen and i it just has everything that teachers needed to to bring interactive music and movement into the classroom and uh they can become a member and if they're members then they also get to participate in our weekly um, live zoom classes where we actually get to interact with them directly and uh or if they just wanna purchase the modules, they can do that as well. So playmotionmusic.com is the place to go for that. And there's links from that website to our YouTube channel and all of our social media and everything like that as well.
1: Brilliant. Nick, Jen, it's been absolutely great talking to you. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this and thank you for being on my show.
4: Thank you, Joe. I feel like we could talk all day about music. We
1: could definitely. <laughs> sadly, jam together. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We work together. Definitely. Yeah. Sad. Sadly. Sadly, I've I've not I've not got that, that much time on my show, but I wish we did. All well, right.
4: So cool. Great to meet you, Joe. Thanks for having us.
1: Thanks for having us. Yeah. Cheers. OK, I'm gonna play the um, news and uh, adverts and uh, two-minute tech now and then we'll finish the show with a quick song.
0: This episode of Teachers Talk radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack group the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too, through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslacgroup.co.uk to find out more.
3: Introducing Upland. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and Arc Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N.co.uk.
0: Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn bulb is an easy to use fully accessible digital platform that captures students digital learning assets in one place allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com
3: if you're listening to this then we know we share one thing in common a passion www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future.
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox.
6: A report on the Politics Home website explores the issue of the UK granting refuge to staff and students at British international schools in Ukraine. In a letter to Boris Johnson, Colin Bell, CEO of the Council of British International Schools, urged the Prime Minister to provide a safe haven to 700 children and numerous Ukrainian staff at schools in the war-torn country. Under the current scheme, only Ukrainians with relatives in the UK are entitled to seek refuge while those with no family links must be sponsored by a person, business, charity or organisation. The British International School has three campuses in Capital Kyiv and the city of Dempiro, both under siege from Russian military. In the letter Bell says they have significant concern for the 700 children enrolled in the school and he requests reassurance that no barrier will be put in their way to enter the UK. A government spokesperson responded to politics home by reiterating the rules of schemes currently in place. In Scotland, the TES magazine reports that Scotland's largest teaching union has opened a consultative strike ballot over Dundee City Council's proposals to move to a faculty structure in its secondary schools. Faculties have long been established in many parts of Scotland and involve more than one subject being grouped together under the leadership of a faculty head. The EIS teaching union is urging all of its members in Dundee secondary schools to support strike action. Critics of the faculty approach argue that it is driven by cost-cutting rather than improving standards. The EIS says the plan for Dundee will cost money and remove valuable experience and leadership. Stuart Hunter of Dundee City Council said, The change is designed to improve the quality of learning and teaching in our secondary schools, and is only one of a range of measures to improve the situation, as we work to reduce the attainment gap. In an article in the Daily Nigerian, Dr Peter Ogodoro, 2021 Facebook Community Accelerator Award winner, says functional education, delivered by highly motivated teachers, should be considered Africa's route out of poverty. Mr Ogodoro made the comments whilst addressing Kenyan teachers in Nairobi. He said that Facebook was supporting a Nigerian teachers community of over 300,000 members to promote learner-centered teaching. He said Facebook was assisting teachers in acquiring cutting-edge skills in teaching and school promotion to help improve teacher welfare and promote economic well-being. Speaking about teachers' conditions of service, he encouraged public and private school owners to pay teachers well and invest enormously in their development. Mr Ogodoro said he founded the Nigerian Teachers Facebook community in 2016 as a platform for teachers to share free resources for quality teaching and networking. Mr Ogodoro is an alumnus of the University of Reading, where he earned a PhD in education. The National Association of Head Teachers Union reports on its website that leaders representing schools across Wales were joined by their Education Minister Jeremy Miles as they debated key issues for schools in Wales at NAHT Cymru's annual policy conference. Delegates will debate and agree key policy objectives on curriculum and assessment, accountability, wellbeing, funding, as well as a range of other issues. Carina Hansen, president of NAHT Cymru, thanked him for joining to hear the concerns of school leaders in Wales. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio weekend news with Joe Fox.
0: This is
7: Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, today I'm responding to a tweet from Michelle Stevens at M underscore Stevens zero pointing out to at team English one that a lot of people don't know about the snipping tool and she was compiling a list of shortcuts. The thread sparked a lot of fantastic responses and inspired today's two minute tech. Today I present getting snippy with it. In Windows a simple shortcut combo of Windows plus shift plus S opens a snipping tool. The snipping tool is like an advanced version of print screen. After the combo key press a small menu appears giving you five options. Rectangle select which is draw a box around what you want freeform select which is draw a shape around what you want window select which is pick the window you want to capture screen select which captures the full screen or replication of the print screen button some may say there's no point to this but stay tuned there is finally there's a cross to close and pressing escape can do the same thing if you have an interactive board you can pin snip and sketch to your taskbar right click the icon and select pin to taskbar now you can press it to make screen grabs and not have to go over to the keyboard. Snip and Sketch also gives you the ability to annotate on a screenshot. To make this even more powerful, Did you know, pressing Windows and V shows your last 25 captures to your clipboard. The first time you use this, you'll need to switch on the feature by pressing Windows and V and agreeing to switch it on. Now you can take several screen captures and then paste them into the app you're presenting with. This can be very time efficient. For this week's visual version of the episode, I've made a series of clips and given some real-life examples of using the snipping tool, so don't forget to check out TT Radio 2020 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio.
1: Thank you for that, Joe and Steve. Now, yeah, snipping tool super useful and uh, Steve's left that on for a while because we want to get as many people as possible using it, so please do. Um, right. Gonna finish the show with a song that I recently started using with early years. It's an Australian children's song called Mr. Clickety Kane. It's great fun. When Mr. Clickety Kane he plays a silly game. All the kids in the street, they like to do the same. Wash your face in orange juice, wash your face in orange juice. When Mr. Clickety came, he plays a silly game. All the kids in the street, they like to do the same. Wash your face in orange juice, wash your face in orange juice. Clean your teeth with bubble gum. Clean your teeth with bubble gum. When Mr. Clickety came, he plays a silly game. All the kids in the street, they like to do the same. Wash your face in orange juice, wash your face in orange juice. Clean your teeth with bubblegum, clean your teeth with bubblegum. When Mr. Clickety came, he plays a silly game. For the kids in the street, they like to do the same. Wash your face in orange juice, wash your face in orange juice. Clean your teeth with bubblegum, clean your teeth with bubblegum. Fix the fence with sticky tape, fix the fence with sticky Brush your hair on a toothbrush, brush your hair with a toothbrush. When Mr. game, he plays a silly game. All the kids on the street, they like to do the same. Wash your face in orange juice, wash your face in orange juice. Or clean your teeth with gum. clean your teeth with gum. Try to bed for sticky tape, fix the beds for sticky tape. Fry right, uh what up? Uh. Brush your hair with a toothbrush, brush your hair with a toothbrush, fly your neck on a slippery tip, fly your neck on a slippery tip, barely pop on a pizza, barely fall on a pizza. Ugh. Yeah, you get the kids to do those actions, um it's great fun. Um so that's cool. That one's called Mr. Clickety Cane great one to do with early years there's some good videos as well if you're not a musician like me and you want to do that song in your early years right my time's up I've got to finish the show there thank you very much for listening um if you've downloaded after this has been published thank you very much for doing so hope you enjoyed um my uh, co- uh children's book uh, opinions nick and jen who are both incredible and uh that song. um thank you very much for listening and hopefully see you next time
0: you've been listening to teachers talk radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org